Good morning. Good morning. It's lovely to see so many faces, both young and old. I'll give you a warm welcome, especially if you are a visitor here. It's lovely to have you. It's lovely to have campers with us. I did think yesterday afternoon, what a way to start camp. But I opened the curtains this morning and went, yes, this is much better. So, I hope you have a lovely week. I hope you have some fun. I hope you enjoy yourself. But I hope as you listen to the talks, as God speaks, you'll hear him. Isaiah says in chapter 45, verse 22, he says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. And we pray that's what you would hear this week through the campus. A welcome if you're joining us online too, and we pray that each of us will come to see Jesus today. Just two very quick announcements before we start. There's communion this afternoon, so three o'clock for church members, there's communion. And if you are around on Tuesday evening, there is an extra prayer meeting for camp, which is at Tony and Gwen's at 7.30. So that's Tuesday evening if you're around. Good, well we're going to start with hymn Immortal Honours. And it's a hymn that helps us focus as we come to worship on God. Not only focus on him, but actually focus on our need of him and our dependence of him. So as the music starts, let's stand and sing Immortal Honours.
Well, this is the, the part of our service that we're going to come to God in prayer. We're going to bow our heads and our hearts and our minds. And let's give him our attention as we pray. Almighty God, we, we come into your presence and acknowledge that you are our creator. You are the one who created this world, this earth, this galaxy and everything that's in it. Lord, and as we think of your creation, that tells us so much about you. Lord, how big, how powerful, yet how you can deal with intricate things. Lord, how you give us beauty. And we pray that in our lives that we would want to come and praise you as our creator. Lord, we come and and acknowledge and see that you are a God who has control of everything. Lord, you allow things to happen and you stop other things. And we pray that we would be humble enough to live under your sovereignty and to accept the things that go well in our lives and bring you praise and thanks. But that when things are tough, when things are rough, Lord, we look to you for support and for help. We come to you as a loving Father. We thank you for your love. Lord, for those of us who know you as our Saviour, Lord, we pray that we would respond to that love. As we've just sung in that last hymn, the last verse, oh, that we would love you more, that we would see you more, that we'd want to follow you more. And we thank you for the way we can be saved from our sin, through the wrong we have done through the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his willingness to come and live on this earth, to face the shame as his creation spat on him and beat him and humiliated him and then crucified him and killed him. Lord, and we remember he did that out of obedience to you because you loved us. And through him we can come and we can ask for forgiveness for the wrong that we do and for the wrong that we have done. And we can do that because of his death. We pray that we would trust Jesus' death to have taken the punishment for our sin so that we can praise you as the Saviour. Lord, if there are any here who do not know you, Lord God, we pray that in your grace and your mercy, your Holy Spirit will be working amongst us, Lord, convicting us of our sin and pointing us to Jesus and through his saving grace. Lord, we thank you that you are now in heaven. Lord, you are in heaven watching us now as we worship you. You are in heaven helping us to worship you. Lord, you are in heaven helping those who want to come to you to see you and to understand. And we praise you for that. Lord God, we, we ask that you would be where your word is being preached today. We ask that you would be helping those who are listening. We pray that your word would be preached with power. We pray that as people hear your word preached, you would be speaking to them. Lord, we remember the freedoms we have to be able to come to church and to sing and praise your name without the threat of anyone, the state or the police, trying to stop us. Lord, we ask that you would be with those who have not got the freedoms that we have, that you would strengthen them, that you would comfort them. Lord, that you would help them as they worship you in secret. 
but we know that we can worship you, whether it's one of us, three of us, 50 of us, or a multitude of us. You are there listening to us. Father God, we want especially to um, bring camp to you. We ask that you would be with them this week. We thank you for giving them a dry start today and we pray that you would be with them with the weather, that it would be suitable for camping. Lord, we ask that they would have fun, that they would enjoy themselves. Lord God, but we pray that as they meet around your word, in the morning and in the evenings, that you would speak to them. We pray that they would be able to listen to you. Lord, we pray that lives would be changed through this camp as they come to know you as their saviour. Lord God, we pray for those who are Christians. We pray that you would strengthen them too on the camp and may they be a real witness to the other campers. And Lord, we wouldn't forget the leaders either. We ask that you would strengthen them and help them, especially as the week wears on and perhaps they get tired. Lord, we pray that there would be a spirit of love and of peace and of gentleness throughout this whole week of camp. Lord, we want to praise you in our lives when things do go well. We want to bring you thanks for the many good things you give us. And Lord, we can each individually think of those good things and thank you for them. Lord, we just remember Charlie and Charlotte Hare. We pray as they got married yesterday that that love would increase among them. We pray you'd help them as they start their married life together, be with them, and pray that you would be part of that life as that three threefold cord that is not easily broken. We ask that you would bless them in their married life. Lord, we also remember those who are struggling. Lord, we've been told in Peter to cast our cares on you. And Lord, and you know, you know what we are struggling with. Lord, whether it's with our health, whether it's with work, whether it's with money. Lord, perhaps there's a strange relationship that needs fixing. Lord God, we ask that you would help us in each of those difficulties and help us to turn to you and ask for help with each of them. Lord God, we, as we continue with our service, we pray that as John brings your word to us a bit later, that you would be with him. Lord, help him as he speaks your words. Lord, may we see you speaking to us and not John. And we pray that what you say to us today will have a changing effect in our lives as we leave the service and and go on into this week. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to to sing our our second song and afterwards, Josh is going to come up and uh, read the passage for us. But our second song is, You're the Word of God the Father. And I think Stuart Townsend has done a brilliant job here in what was Jesus doing before he came to this earth? What was Jesus doing? And in, in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, you know, we, we, we read those words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. And Stuart has really opened up that verse as Jesus there at creation, and he comes down to be with us now. So, let's stand as the music starts.
Okay, so we've got our Bible reading now, which hopefully will appear on the screen. And it's in the book of Matthew, chapter 14. This is the Church Bible. It's on page 820, I believe. Brilliant. And we're starting at verse 13. So, so at this point, Jesus just found out that his cousin John has died. Okay. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So we'll look forward to John explaining that to us a little while later. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Well, before John comes and and preaches to us on that passage, explains it to us, we've got two songs, and we're going to be led by by John and the musicians, Be Still My Soul, and the second one is What Gift of Grace. So don't sit down in between, we'll stand and we'll sing both songs together. Thank you. Stand as John starts.
Well, life is filled with questions. And I guess it has been already for some of you on camp. Perhaps there's been a... a, Who else is in our tent? Or maybe there's been a... a, What are we doing tomorrow? Or perhaps there's been a, a... What's for dinner? And life generally is full of questions, isn't it? What phone shall I get? What options shall I take? Where shall we go on holiday? Shall we get a dog? Get some answers to some of these. Some questions are a little bit deeper, aren't they? I went to a a website this week and uh, 101 questions that make you think about life. So I looked through the 101 questions that make us think about life. Here's a few. Number 42. If you could choose your own name, what would it have been? Would it have been your name? Something different? If you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be? Number 51. Do you learn from your mistakes or repeat them? I want to think today about one of the the biggest questions, one of the biggest questions. And this is the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It makes a massive difference to the whole of human history. The answer to this question makes a massive difference to your life. The answer to this question makes a massive difference to your afterlife. Who is Jesus? I watched a DVD a few years ago. There it is. So who is this Jesus was the title. There's a copy of the DVD. It's quite good. Who is Jesus? It's a question which gets um, very little attention sometimes. It's not one of the 101 deep questions that I looked on the internet about. It doesn't get much of a mention at school, does it? And you don't often hear of it on the television. And yet it is a massive question which it needs us to think about and we're going to think about this morning. It's a question that Jesus asked people to think about. In Matthew 16, it's a series which sometimes comes up on camp, maybe you've done it another year, or will do, where Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they're talking amongst themselves. Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're a prophet, some say you're like Elijah. What would your answer be to that question? Who is Jesus? If you could write down, I'll give you one line, okay? It can be quite long if you're small writing, if you're a big, big writer, you haven't got many words, but you could write down one line for your answer to that question, who is Jesus? What would be on your line?
Well, we're going to be thinking about that question today and we get a big clue in our passage. We get a big clue in answer to that question and a follow-on question which we're also going to be thinking about which is how do we respond? How do we respond? This isn't responding very well actually. So perhaps I'll look up your way when, uh, Joe, we can, we can have the next one. Maybe the whole system is slow going today. So we're looking at who is Jesus and how we should respond. And here over the summer in the mornings we've been looking at a series called Jesus by the Sea. And we're following on with that this morning but it's slightly different because it is Jesus on the sea. Not just by the sea but Jesus on the sea. And we're going to look at the account that we had read or was part of what was read in Matthew 14, 22 to 33. And it's going to help us and we're going to look at it in four parts. So this is the first part. Can you press it once? Is it a bit? And press it once more. Sorry, it's... it's oh, I see. That's different from that. That's my problem. Okay. Right, that's slow and that's quick. Okay, thank you. So the first part is just thinking about Jesus. Jesus has fed a, a whole hillside of thousands of people with little more than a packed lunch. Now he tells the disciples to get into a boat and to go across the sea. He tells the crowds that time's up and things are finished and that they should head home. And he himself heads up into the mountains to pray. Many here really enjoyed a YP holiday uh, just finishing last week, but I know some got a bit socialed out by the end because you're with people all the time and they're quite pleased at the end of it to have a little bit of time on themselves. Well, Jesus has been with the crowd and now he feels the need, not just for time on his own, but time with God to pray. It's a good thing, actually, to come away from the crowd sometimes and to have time with God. Evening came. Night time came. And the disciples hadn't got very far on their journey on the boat. It was about seven miles across this sea, the Sea of Galilee. The wind was against them. I guess it was coming from a southeasterly direction and the wind was against them. They were going very slow. They were rowing. I don't know if you've done any rowing. It's okay for about the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But uh, as time goes on, it gets quite hard and they're struggling to make any progress across this, uh, this sea. They've only got about halfway across. The waves are bashing against the boat. It's got quite late. I don't know how late you went to bed last night. Maybe, maybe it's quite late by your standards. Perhaps it wasn't. Come Friday, midnight feast day, perhaps you will be to bed quite late. It was past those times. It was gone three o'clock in the morning. It was sometime between three and six o'clock in the morning, according to the passage, the fourth watch of the night. And the disciples look out and they see a man walking near them on the sea. One of the families, this 
last week had a, a holiday out away at the coast and there was a big wooden block in the sea and it was a bit like a curved tabletop really so when they were a little way out from the sea depending on the level of the sea they could stand on it and look as though they were on top of the sea well this was in the middle of the sea there was no tabletop it was hundreds of feet deep and this man was walking the disciples had never seen anything like this before and they're dead scared and they shout out it's a ghost, it's a ghost the man immediately speaks to them and he says words which have been a great comfort to a lot of Christians ever since take heart, it is I don't be afraid they realised it was Jesus out there on the sea we can't walk on water remember when I was very young and the computer games had just come out playing around a friend's house on a computer game you went from the land to the sea using the joystick and ever you went on the sea there was a little pop up call out I cannot walk on water I cannot walk on water we can't walk on water Sometimes Sunday afternoon, uh, campers, you head to a lake. I don't know if that's quite the plan or how it's going to work this afternoon. But if you do, maybe you'll go for a walk round the lake. But you, go, you won't go for a walk across the lake. If I told you to come up to the, the, the local swimming pool and I said, right, we're going to have a, a running race now. You're going to start from one end and we're going to do a running length. Uh, you're going to run. Uh, we'll see who gets the other side first. Well, you run two steps and you just sink down. You can't walk on water. But Jesus could. And Jesus did. Gravity didn't take him down through the water. He walked on it as though it was dry land. How, how did it work out? Can you picture what happened? We don't know exactly the ins and outs. The liquid doesn't make way to his feet. And it's showing us something of who this person is. Job in the Bible talks about God who is the one who trampled on the water. That phrase that Jesus uses, it is I, is something which is earlier in the Bible and which refers to God himself teaching us about himself. It is I and it's what Jesus uses as he's on the water. The one who created the waves is able to set foot and stay on the waves. It's amazing. And it has a massive impact on those who are in the boat, which we'll come to in a minute, but next we're going to look at Peter. Peter. The disciples may have been comforted by realising it was Jesus who was with them there on the sea. But Peter is more than just comforted. He's... um, he stood up with courage and with confidence. And he shouts back to Jesus in verse 28 and says, 
Lord, if it, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And you think, wow, come off it, Peter. Are you mad? He seems to think that Jesus, in full control of the situation, could even have him come to him on the water and he's asked him about this. And what's Jesus going to say? Jesus calls back, come! And there's Peter. And he's climbing over the side of the boat. Can you imagine? He's climbing over the side of the boat. He's coming down the side onto the water. If he goes through the water, especially in windy conditions like this, he's going to go down and he's going to drown. But then Peter, we read, is stepping on the water himself. And he starts to walk to Jesus on the water. At the command of Jesus, Peter is walking on the water too. That's amazing. You've got a a doubly amazing thing. In fact, in this whole of this episode, you've got four miracles going on. This is the second one. But then what happens? Well, the wind is strong and blowing and maybe the waves around him are very up and down and Peter starts to look at the wind instead of Jesus and he starts to sink. We don't know how how far did he get down to, did his ankles, did it go to his ankles, did it go to his knees, was it up to his waist? But Peter is starting to sink as he's so frightened by his circumstances and he yells out, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reaches out his hand and grabs him to steady and to save Peter. Jesus has saved Peter. But he's got a message for him too. And for us. He says, Oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? And both of them get into the boat and the wind immediately stops. It's miracle number three. These are the actions of God. Controlling the sea is something that only God can do. A psalmist said, He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. And this is what Jesus does. Well, I guess Peter's quite glad, don't you, to be back in the boat. You can imagine him gulping with relief to be back in the the boat. He trusted, he wobbled, he called out and he's been saved. But Peter and Jesus aren't the only ones on the scene. And we move now to the passengers, to the passengers. There were others in the boat that had been there through that long night and they'd seen all that had happened in the last few minutes. What were they making of it all as they watched Peter and Jesus on the water? Well, we find out in verse 33, the last verse, and those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. 
These were eyewitnesses, they'd seen exactly what had happened and are they taken up with Peter? A nice one, Peter. What did it feel like to be on the water out there, Peter? No, they're taken up with the one who walked on the water of his own accord and the one who enabled Peter to walk on the water and who saved him when he stumbled. They are taken up with Jesus. And what do they think of Jesus? It says in Mark they were utterly astounded. And it says here in Matthew, they worshipped. They worshipped. They're amazed at his power and they realised it was God in the boat with them. And they add this, truly you are the Son of God. God's Son had come into the world and and this is something that others realise in this Gospel of Matthew that we're just looking at. God the Father at the baptism of Jesus says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus in Matthew 11 talks about himself being the Son Peter, in a couple of chapters' time, here declare, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then finally, near the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the Roman commander who sees things happen at the scene of the crucifixion will conclude, truly, this is the Son of God. And the commander and the people in the boat are sure about it. They say, truly, this is the Son of God. Absolutely, 100%, this is the Son of God. So you see what they conclude about Jesus with what they've witnessed, how it makes them respond. We come lastly to us to us and we come back to our questions that we had at the start who is Jesus who is Jesus Jesus is the son of God Jesus is divine Jesus is God's son come to earth Nobody else could walk on the water like Jesus did or invite Peter to walk on the water like Jesus did. That's what they realised. And as we read about the life of Jesus in these Gospels, that's what we should realise. Nobody else can do these things. They were sure of it, truly, surely, 100%, absolutely, this is the Son of God. And it's something that we should be sure of. So can I ask you, have you got that settled answer to the question, who is Jesus? Ah, some think he was just a teacher, some wonder whether he existed. But in reading about him, in understanding about him, are you able to say, truly, he is the Son of God? They hadn't had the resurrection yet. 
That was still to come. That would top it all in terms of the evidences for who Jesus is. In Romans it says, declared to be the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Well, as you read about what Jesus did and as you hear of the resurrection, are you having a sense of worship and saying, truly, this is the Son of God? Massive implications for you, for your life, for your future. But the second question we looked at was how should we respond? And the way Peter reacted shows that the right response is trust, faith, confidence in Jesus. It's not saying that we should all walk on water like Peter. If that was the case, then uh, every Christian I know in the last 2,000 years has failed. Now that was special and unique to this situation. But the same response of obeying Jesus and doing what he says, putting our trust in him and going forward is the right response. Have you believed in Jesus and have you started to do what he says and have you started to have confidence in him as the one who saves, can forgive and get you to heaven? Is he the one who's drawing you through life as you put him first? Have you believed? Might you believe this summer as you hear more about Jesus? It's something we need to do to trust in Jesus, believe in him at the start, but it's something that needs to carry on. Sometimes people start to follow Jesus, like Peter getting out of the boat, and then they find things difficult. The wind is blowing, the waves seem high, all things seem frightening, and they have a wobble. And what do they need to do then? They need to call out, and they need to look to Jesus, and they need to not look at their circumstances. And some of you might start believing in Jesus this summer, And you go back to school and it just feels like the wind is howling and suddenly it all feels very different and maybe you feel as though you've got cold feet. What do you need to do? Well, like like Peter, you need to call out and you need to look to Jesus again for strength to go onwards in your frightening circumstances. Older ones who have been following Jesus for years Maybe you've been struggling and straining with the rowing like the disciples. Maybe the circumstances you're going through seem dark and maybe it seems like God has forgotten you and there's a long time coming to help you. Well, what do you need as you're in that situation? You need to realise that Jesus is with you. Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. And when sometimes your early faith which seems so strong and so bright, seems to be disappearing and it feels as though the waves are around your ankles and you're being battered by the difficulty of life and following Jesus, what do you need to do? You need to call out. You need to have your eyes on him. You need to keep trusting him as you go forward. So we have... These two questions that we had near the start. 
They weren't in the 101 questions. They should have been. They're great questions for us about life, for our lives. Big ones. Who is Jesus? How should we respond? We've looked at this passage. What happened then? Are you getting clearer? Would you, what would you write now on your line? Would it be any different? Would it be from your heart? Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is to be believed and followed. And when life is difficult, Jesus is to be called upon and looked to as we go forward. Answers to two of the big questions as we look at Jesus on the sea in Matthew 14. Well, we're going to sing a song now which points to Christ and how reliable he is. It's the song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less Than Jesus' Blood and Righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing our closing song.
Heavenly Father, as we look at accounts like this, as we're reminded of the life of Jesus, as we think of his glorious resurrection, we pray that you would put it in our hearts to worship him as the Son of God. And we pray that that will have an effect on our hearts and lives, that we may be willing to do what Jesus says, that we may go forward in confidence in him. And when things are difficult and life is tough, and we're tempted uh, to sink, and we're tempted to look at our circumstances, help us to call out and look again at the Saviour. Lord, make this little account that we've looked at useful to those that are younger here, in thinking about who Jesus is and how it affects their lives. But we pray it will be a help to us all as well, to get clear who Jesus is, and for that to have its bearing and its call on our lives. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.